Hey, hey, I'm Adrian. And I'm Elizabeth. And this is Don't Ruin This For Me, a podcast dedicated to tearing up your favorite pop culture movies from the 80s and 90s and throwing it in the trash. One of the best things about my relationship with Adrian is how we see the world so differently. <laughs> and oh boy, <laughs> if you didn't understand that by these last three seasons, this week it really comes to a head. Well, you know, obviously last week we covered my sexual awakening, Legends of the Fall, an epic romance, including Brad Pitt making sacrifices for your family in a beautiful Montana ranch with wild horses. But this week, (laughs) we're going to discuss what Elizabeth thinks romance is, also with Brad Pitt, but now with a lot more cocaine and murder. (laughs) And don't forget the incredible amount of racism, misogyny, and gender-based violence, because everyone loves that. Um, Yes, we are talking about the 1999, whoops, 19... 93's True Romance, uh, which Robert Ebert said, and I love this quote, feels at, the, at times like a fire sale down at a cliche factory. <laughs> it's made with such energy and such high spirits, such an enchanting goofiness that it's impossible to resist. Check your brains at the door. I mean, enchanting goofiness is a real... <laughs> odd sort of description of this film and honestly I would say the true violence of this movie is Brad Pitt's dirty hair. Oh my god I loved it. (laughs) It really hurt me but anyway this was Quentin Tarantino's first major movie script he didn't direct it though that honor went to (laughs) horror? I feel like you say horror. Honor? (laughs) That went to Tony Scott who also directed 90s gems like Top Gun and Days of Thunder and the cast is packed with stars who will go on to be huge or not Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Gary Oldman, Samuel L. Jackson, you know he's there. Yeah. Dennis Hopper, Michael Beach, Val Kilmer, James Gandolfini, all very, very young. Even Christopher Walken was there looking younger, but it's still at least 50. I mean, I couldn't believe I was at like, least 50. was he ever under 50? Yeah. Do you I think? Don't, I'm not even did he sure. exist as a person? Who knows? <laughs> it was like he was just born as 50. Yes. It was so wild. Yes. And today we have Maya Houghton, who uh, is a teacher at Second City. She teaches improv. She is a delight. She's yes. also a storyteller and yes. runs independent workshops. Um, so the conversation is going to be a real riot. I'm excited. I'm worried, but yes. <laughs> 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 there are there are going to be some very uh, hard subjects to talk about, yeah, yeah. and I think we're going to um, try to cross that cross that field of yes. mind, minds uh, very closely. Yeah, carefully. Uh, before we dig in, Adrian, yeah, though, yeah, what's the haps for the week? What's been going on? What have you been doing? Uh, well, you know what I did this week? I watched The Traders on Peacock. Oh. Do you know the show? No. No? Okay, so it's, um, oddly, the setup is sort of like half B-crowd reality stars, half people we've never seen, like regular Joes. They go to Scotland. <laughs> They're in a castle. You know who's there? No. <laughs> Alan fucking Cumming. Oh. In a variety of plaid outfits. I love Alan And Cumming. they're always like clueless plaid. You know, it's like bright fucking purple and he's in a skirt and he's got a sash and he has a beret or it's like bright. Yeah. I mean, he is just serving. And basically they pick like three people are traitors and all the rest are faithfuls, which, you know, the wording is a little, little. <laughs> but they all have to figure out who the traitors are. And so you watch them. They're all fucking idiots. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic 
ride. I've never <laughs> even heard of it. What's it on? Um, it's on Peacock. It's like Survivor without the island. I mean, they're at the, they're at a castle, so they you have do you love know, Survivor. Of course, I love Survivor. Yeah, and to be honest, you know, this current era of Survivor that's all about flying under the radar. I'm a little less into. Like, I like, you know, what I want you and me on Survivor, <laughs> and the moment. <laughs> Where one of us betrays the other. Who's doing it? Oh my God. Who's doing it's it? It's going to be me. You're going to betray me first. I would have to. Wait, how close do you think we would get? Like, do you think there's like a moment where we both realize it, this is the moment yes, where someone's it's just betraying? Us, right? Yes, I do think we would get to that point. But here's the deal. Uh huh. I would not want to betray betray you because uh-huh. that's why I don't want to ever go on that show with you. But <laughs> I feel like if you dragged me on that show, uh-huh. if I didn't do that to you, uh-huh. you'd be disappointed. I don't think you, that's accurate. You would, you would be <laughs> no, because I think I think you would be like Elizabeth. We've been watching the show. It's the two of us. We got to pick. No, you're totally wrong. I'm taking you as my <laughs> my shield. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because you know what? You're going to use me? As my shield. Just because like all the other guys. Listen, listen. Anyone that knows our friendship and is that friends with both of us in like various groups knows that people like Elizabeth better. Like she's more of the front. <laughs> got stuff. She is that. mostly the front and leader, right? So I'm using Elizabeth to draw in all the fucking people. And I'm going to be the B crowd leader. And then once I fucking kill her, I'm stepping in. I'm stepping into my glory. <laughs> I love it. I love knowing that you hate me. I don't. Okay, I, I mean, listen, I fucking adore you. I'm just saying, I think, I, I don't think you would actually betray me on the island. I don't think I could do it. I don't think you would. <laughs> I, don't, I think, I think it, like when it came up to to the end of it, I would be like, Adrian, we've got to strategize here. I think probably what would happen is we would link arms and we would walk off the beach together. <laughs> No. Yes, One I of us has money. to walk away with the money. One of us has to walk okay. away with the money. Because we're going to give it to each other, right? I mean, yes, I think we would share it. I think we would probably... Oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that on, on like those podcasts that they'll probably this never This is a binding to. document. <laughs> they'll be like, they can't be together. She's going to share the money with her. Yeah. Okay, last thing I want to say about the traitors, though, is that like I would be murdered. So that's the other thing. The traitors murder the faithfuls at night. They have these big round tables. <laughs> they have these big round tables where they try to Surprise. out... <laughs> They have these round tables where they try to out the traitors, right? And then when they can't, the traitors murder people one on one. But really, it's about like human dynamics, right? And it's always the people who speak up. Like if you speak up, they're like, you're a fucking traitor. And I already know I would be murdered on the very first night because you could never put me in a circle of people and be like, everyone say your opinion. I could never shut the fuck up. I could never do it. Like I could never just be like, just be chill. Go under the radar, Adrian. Like I would fucking be way too hard immediately. I also think you're you're very honest about your opinions it would be really difficult for you to lie speaking of you know who is on traders is sari from survivor who's like the fucking cool yes you know who she is (laughs) um you do know who she is was she the one who was in that band um swv or that's taj remember that song what was the song it's that's not the band the band is called swv yes yeah (laughs) what was the song isn't it single women with voices uh I look at sisters Maya. With Maya, Maya. You're like single I'm gonna look at the black lady. <laughs> sisters with voices. Okay, there you go. There you go. They but what was the songs. song? I can't remember the song. S W U V and S. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I've been um, obsessed with Ted Lasso. As you know, yeah. I'm very late to the well, game. And let's be clear, you just started Ted Lasso. Yes. It's not like you're obsessed with the new season that just came out <laughs> this week. 
you just started watching Ted Lasso. I'm always literally, late too. Yeah, yeah, literally too. I'm always late because you know what? Yeah. People have so much like they they are able to be like tapped in, and I'm always like 18 years later. That's not true. It's more if it if this was like an apocalypse thing or like a zombie, like something terrible, she'd be the first person on board. <laughs> it's like Ted Lasso is like a little too sweet for her, so it took like five years for her to be like, well, fine, I'll try it. Yeah, I, I think. That- <laughs> Say, you know, it's funny you said that because I think it, when did it air first at like 2020, 2021? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I was like, This is too cheery for me, yeah, I'm not gonna yeah. watch it, but I'm yeah. now super obsessed, well, of and course, because then- there's a grumpy soccer player for you to root for. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not into Ted because Ted is obviously the guy he's I would you're fuck. Dating. Yeah, he's the one so you're, you're like, let me get the fucking grumpy soccer player, and I'm gonna be the slutty, you know, PR chick. That's you. I, was, I kind of imagine myself as a person who is running. I wanted to run the soccer team. Oh, you want to be the the hot chick? Yes, and I want yeah. to. She's like the older one. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. she rings the shame bell in Game of Thrones. Oh, does she really? Shame. She is shame. so hot though, mm-hmm. and I like all of her clothes, yeah. and I like her power, and I just like every time I see her, I'm like, I would date you for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but the other day on Facebook, <laughs> there was this like you know how Facebook suggests your friends, mm-hmm. and one came up and it was like, um, we suggest that you're friends with Brendan Hunt. You have all these mutual friends, and I like look, and I was like. <gasps> That's Coach Beard. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea. Also, like, who Facebook, are your you're mutual friends? He popped up in mine too. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yesterday. Is he <laughs> is a he Chicago person? I don't know. Tim Meadows popped up in mine too, but I think it's because I sat next to him the other day at Second City during a show, <laughs> and my and phone the, was spying on <laughs> me. Right, they right. knew. Yeah, you know who I am friends with is Dave Pasquazzi, obviously. Who isn't? But you know, he. I did a show with Dave Pasquazzi, and I went to talk to him after, and he was not having it all. And this was not even before. Before he was on Veep. He was just, you know, TJ and Dave improv yeah. stars. We were in the show together. I was like, hey, what's up? And I was even hotter than I am now. This was like <laughs> fucking eight years ago. Like I was young, you know? He wasn't having it, but we are Facebook friends and I really like to see him on Veep. Oh, oh I love that. Yeah. Well, I I decided was well, like, you know, Facebook is like a shithole and yeah. it doesn't really matter what you do on it. So yeah. like I, <laughs> I, I was like, this could be totally random, but I sent him a, a message and I was like, hey, I'm a stranger on the internet who was told to be friends with you on Facebook and we both know Facebook was bullshit but if you're ever if you're ever from like in Chicago and you want to do a small podcast <laughs> that no one listens to do, do not shade our listeners just, like that that's hurtful and I was like please just reach out back to me yeah, I hope you were like you could be the Thank one you. white man we put on this podcast this year you could be it you want that baby you know I just I'm just saying like don't let your dreams stay dreams people let them fly let mm. them fly speaking of let's talk about true romance <laughs> yes with Amaya because um, so we we traditionally start with a recap of the movie okay. before we move into our discussion um, I would just before we start want to posit to Elizabeth why in the fuck you would have chosen this movie <laughs> Well, I mean, I think, like, honestly, at the time that I saw it, which I realized I was 20 years old when it came out, so okay. I was, uh, no, 19, 19, that I think, like, I, growing up in a small town, like, this seemed very exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you know, I have a whole thing that we'll get into, like, later about, like, romance and how people, I feel like my perceived idea of how people love me or actually, more truthfully, how they never do. Mm. And so... I think this film filled a lot of like wounds that I had that I didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. And also, really cool guns, everyone. <laughs> Oof. 
I mean, I will definitely it's say so it really doesn't age well. And like, I think Quentin Tarantino, like as an auteur, has grown. You know, there are Quentin Tarantino movies that I like, but I would say this is literally peak 90s Quentin Tarantino throw everything at the fucking wall and like it's it's tough I mean you know the treatment of the ladies is not great but so we start the main character is Christian Slater which listen I'm into that 90s like I fuck Christian Slater now and then for well, sure. He's got like this dark black hair yeah. because he's a big Elvis fan, which is important to the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's sitting at a bar, which is one of my favorite places to be. Mm-hmm. And so he's in this bar. He's trying to hit on this woman who looks like Madonna. Did you notice that? She's got like the platinum blonde curly. She looks Madonna. real close to the Patricia Arquette when she rolls up. Yes. <laughs> it's sort of odd because I was like, type? yeah. Yeah. yeah now, now that you're saying that, I was like, was there anyone who wasn't blonde in the mm-hmm. film? Yeah. Um, there was only four women in the film <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so and let's uh, beat the shit out of her. Right? <laughs> <laughs> she got off easy. Yeah, exactly. yeah, she at least she, she walked away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Christian Slater's at this bar. He tries to hit on this woman. This woman is like, no, because she's like, he's like, uh, well, and this matters because he, he goes, uh, do you want to go to the movies tonight? And she goes, well, what would we see? And he, he goes, I want to see the Sonny Chiba film, which is all these kung fu films. And she is just like really insulted in a very odd way. <laughs> It is odd, but there's this entire vibe that it's like, okay, this is Quentin Tarantino's like young life. Yes. You know, there's this whole wish fulfillment where it's like, you know, kung fu movies, chicks being interested in that and like comic shops and like guys with like no money. It's like, oh yeah, let me get in that. It was definitely like that 90s type of feminism where it was like, I'm not a regular girl. I'm a cool girl. And because this woman (laughs) walks away... Christian Slater decides to go to a movie on its uh, on his own, but the film flashes over to shots of Detroit, which I thought was an interesting location choice. And it's shots of Detroit, and we hear Alabama, who's Patricia Arquette, and the love interest of Christian Slater eventually. And she has a quote, which I think is the part where, like, you were talking about the music about uh, <laughs> the music from the film, and Hans Zimmerman does the music. There's and this weird little xylophone, like it's called, right. the song. The name of the song is called "You're Cool." <sighs> You can come back to look it up. And it's this like sweet little film. And you know what it had was like raising Arizona vibes, which I really love and we should revisit at some point. But there's a quote that starts off with her doing this voiceover with these shots of uh, Detroit where she says, I had to come all the way from the highways and byways of Tallahassee, Florida to the Motor City, Detroit to find my true love. What, you know, that's a typical story, right? Like people are doing that. And I think that that as a young person, I probably found that like, oh my God, she just traveled all this way and she's going to find her own true love and this is going to be so great. But it wasn't. So, <laughs> well, Patricia Arquette is very interesting as like a prototype of like the manic pixie dream girl that like develops in the like early 2000s, right? But she's just like gritty. Yes. Yeah. But like everything she does is like manic pixie dream girl energy. Yeah, she's su- she feels super spontaneous. She's yeah. dressed like, you know, just very sexy. She's wearing yeah. a red dress. She's wearing She's like red nails. Real big. Mm-hmm. Yes. She- <laughs> Bouncy. Yes. Just yeah. like super sweet. Yeah. Anyway, so she's so Christian Slater's in this movie theater. She walks in. She's wearing a leopard print coat and a red dress, which, by the way, I just wore that the other day. Yes. <laughs> like, 
and she's like coming through and she spills her popcorn on Christian Slater and then they're like fussing around and whatever and they realize that they have a lot in common and they're crazy about each other uh-huh. so after the film they go have pie they go to his job which I didn't understand that part he's like let me show you my comic shop <laughs> right and then he's like you want to see a first edition Spider-Man right. she's like oh yeah yeah I do take her anywhere else yeah <laughs> well I think it also like comes off of like the world of the 80s where it was like these nerds who never get laid and like now this like but he's not just a nerd he's like a cool nerd because he's into kung fu Listen, and he's into Elvis if they had any balls they would have like cast a real nerd like Christian Slater was like the it boy yes. of the fucking 90s like he's hot yeah he like, had I, swagger you could not believe him as a nerd so anyway they fuck and it and then she comes out all tortured and she's like actually I'm a call girl and you're supposed <laughs> to like buy the fact that Christian Slater can't get laid I'm like come on yeah you know and and well the extreme of how he it's not only that he can't get laid his his like ability to get laid is so bad yeah that his boss calls Patricia Arquette Alabama and says to her that he's like worried about his employee right when does this happen <laughs> and for his birthday she should go and like and fuck, fuck him yeah yeah that's that's a boss that's really concerned about your productivity <laughs> He's not jizzing. We're not right. jizzing. <laughs> we got to get these comics off the fucking shelves. We got to get the comics moving. Get them moving. Get them moving. So, anyways, they're on the. They're outside. They all. Show, there's. All, this is all happening also outside of his window of his apartment building. Of course, it has to happen on a roof. Yes, Otherwise, and it's it like be sexy. moody lighting, and she's like upset, and she's like, "I'm just gonna tell you the truth." And then she's like, "But every, you know, obviously everything has changed, and I'm crazy for you now." And he was like. I saw his ass. That part I understood. (laughs) You know, his ass was like lit nicely. You got to see his broad back while I was like, okay. I've also changed my mind about being a hooker. Like I will (laughs) fucking, yeah, you and me, let's go. And then uh, he commits to like basically being with her. So they end up getting married. They get tattoos. And while they're getting tattoos, they start talking about Drexel. Yeah. (laughs) While they're getting tattoos, Elizabeth is like, this is true romance. I'm feeling like you're married in less than 24 hours. You both look hot. You're getting tattoos. tattoos. And now. You're eating pie, watching kung fu movies. This is my This is what I want. And now they're going to, you know, Christian Slater's going to have to go kill her pimp. It's fucking, (laughs) it's so hot. Yeah, I mean that's that's the hard part because then we start getting introdu- introduced to Drexel. Drexel is Alabama's um, pimp. He's going to be a whole discussion. <laughs> He's literally <laughs> Gary Oldman cosplaying as Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> but also as if he is black. Yes, it's, it's very upsetting. It's a sprinkle of Chet Hanks. Yes, yes. Chet Hayes. Chet Hayes. <laughs> Hanks. Well, he goes by Hayes. Oh, does he go by Hayes? H A Z E. Oh shit! Now I sound like a dick. <laughs> No, Chet Hayes. Hayes. Okay. Chet Hayes sounds like yeah, the dick. That's, that's more convincing. <laughs> he can't go with Hanks. It's too, you know, you know, yeah. it's too nepotism. It is yeah. too nepotism. Right. And they also bad. like they kind of cover it a little bit because they're they're he's like, well, is he black? And she's like, well, he thinks he's a ch- Apache, but I don't. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is oh. really uh, at this point, you know, they had said several words that I was not comfortable with, and I was like, oh my god, I can't yes, believe the we're res- watching this. People should just know overall the racism, misogyny, and like it's all, all just. Over. Over. running rampant just through this film yes. and yes. then there's this weird scene where Clarence is like thinking about Drexel and he's like Elvis shows up and Elvis is like you gotta kill Drexel and so he goes he goes to Bama and he's like hey give me your address to the pimp house so I can go like take care of your stuff and then Adrian what happens when he gets to the pimp house 
<laughs> well, f- are you talking about the eating pussy scene? Oh, no, I didn't get to that. Because oh, yeah. that's before. Yeah, yeah, it? you're right. You're right. Okay, well, listen, the one thing I would say this movie is you can see the seeds of all the things that Quentin likes and how he detonates them better later. But they're all here right now. And it feels very 90s. Samuel L. Jackson walks into all the like pimps and drug dealers like, I eat fucking pussy. What? <laughs> you don't eat pussy? And everyone's like, I wouldn't eat pussy. And then another guy's like, I've got a gun. He's like, this is how I lick the pussy. And it's just like... So fucking ridiculous. Maybe I think that's also perhaps because I'm 43 years old. I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. But like they're treating it as if this is like a very important conversation. <laughs> yeah. It was a weirdly big thing in the 90s. Yes. Like, about whether or not. Especially in the rap community. Like, yes. I don't need pussy. Right. I'm like, why not? Right. <laughs> Missing out on nutrients. Right. Well, and I find now, maybe you're as a single lady, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you find this, but I also find now, like, if you're ever, like, going to get naked with a dude, the very fucking first thing he does, he's like, let me put my face down and, like, lick your pussy. And and sometimes it happens. really changed in the world. Well, sometimes (laughs) it happens very abruptly. I mean, it's almost a performance, you know? It's Mm -hmm. just like, I know I got to eat the pussy. I got to get down there. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to get it out of the way so she knows what kind of man I am. Right? Do you know what I mean? Has this happened to you? Listen, uh, I was watching this with a guy that I just started dating. um, And uh, not even moments halfway in, he was eating my pussy. So, (laughs) yes, this happens. My, I think we also should talk about this too because you're you you I believe you identify as bi right yeah and I am bi so yeah. we should I mean I don't think it's the same situation with women no like <laughs> it's not like just like drop your pants and I'm I mean maybe I haven't dated that many women I, I have I have been I probably because I had only been with men prior but uh, I did have a former partner that I was very much like ah. <laughs> just like drop them <laughs> drop them pants let me. <laughs> So maybe I've been ruined by men. Well, and I don't. Ha- I don't know how to softly approach the vagina. I do think though that like the current state of men and you know eating the pussy is affected by this exact I agree. scene mm. at the pimp house. But anyway, that's just an aside. <laughs> Clarence shows up at the pimp house. There's a whole fucking Quentin Tarantino like shootout kind of vibe. You can picture it in your head. Fucking. You know, Christian Slater suddenly shoots off his dick. You know, it's just like, Jesus well, not his Christ. dick, Drexel's dick. Drexel's well, yes, dick. Yeah. Yeah. but it's, sorry, Dre- I, Drexel's dick <laughs> was shot off. But the best part about the scene is like, I mean, I have to tell you that I always, I mean, this is honestly true. I just love, love scenes like choreographed like fights and watching him being like Drexel being thrown into the aquarium. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is so A horribly wall. So many fish tanks in this movie. <laughs> so many. And I don't know, I think I've told you this before. You know, I have a reoccurring dream that's in a basement of fish tanks. No. Yeah, we've talked about it. Max, will, my son, will like ask me, he'll be like, do you have the fish cake? fish tank dream i'm like not recently but it, it happens we oh, what do you think that's that. about i don't know okay and and i've always not like i haven't taken care of the fish tanks well enough oh. and i always come down and i'm like god damn it you have 700 fish tanks <laughs> that's i'm fascinated we're gonna I talk know, about we, this we later gotta go because... back to that i mean did you hear maya and i just shut up we were yeah. like what? well i'm just saying i noticed this because it was a wall of fish tanks and i was like god damn it is this what it's from like <laughs> yeah i mean oh, the, this I'm whole intrigued. scene and there's like water there's yes. fish tanks there's yes. guns yes. there's chinese food mm. like, yes. it's wild and, and, and this doesn't surprise me that you love it because elizabeth's like leaning into the chaos vibe yes, she's I like fuck it. yes chaos. i'm like shut up shut up yes okay so then um, after that, 
Clarence realizes that there's some problems here. <laughs> he brings back a suitcase that he thinks is Bama, shows it to Bama. Bama is like, what happened? You're bloody and you're eating a burger. And <laughs> Clarence is like, well, I went over to your pimp's house and I killed him. And she's like, what? And then he gets really jealous. Because I want to talk about this. It's like this kind of idea of like jealousy about people you fucked before. Mm-hmm. And so he like freaks out, starts yelling at her. She grabs him and she's just like, I just think what you did was so romantic. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they slow kiss. And the xylophone plays. And I'm like, I'm like, pause, how much left is of this fucking movie? And I would just like to say, I don't think I've said this yet, I'm a number one Patricia Arquette stan. Mm-hmm. Like, she can do no wrong and still I'm like, can we be done with this yet? Yes. But Brad Pitt hasn't even shown up yet, so I soldiered on. <laughs> Give me Brad. I mean, I think she plays this this character so well. And actually, I had read that when Quentin Tarantino wrote this, that um, he originally was thinking of John Cusack, John Cusack to play her. Oh, interesting. And I was like, I don't think she would have given it. I mean, Patricia Arquette, like, Oh, yeah. nails it. She has that, that right slutty vibe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so afterwards, um, when they realize that this luggage is full of cocaine, they're like, we have to go on the run. And then they're like, what are we going to do? Clarence's dad, of course, conveniently ends up being a retired police officer. Obviously. Living next to a train track. <laughs> yes, in a trailer. Mm-hmm. As in his, of course, his job as being a security officer. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure where, but somewhere I think that might be Doesn't a prison. Matter. Anyways, so that's played by, he's played by Dennis Hopper, mm-hmm. which I love Dennis Hopper. I think he's always really a great pr- performer. Um, Clarence and Alabama show up they hadn't talked to their dad he hasn't talked to his dad in three years and he's like you gotta help me and his dad's like ah what you're just like your mother I don't know what that meant at all they never explained it I've never asked you for anything Just go find the cops and find out what they know Yes and then he finds out that uh, the cops are uh, they're thinking it's a drug deal gone bad and we don't have to worry about it So then Christian Slater is like hey, all right then we're gonna move over to LA meet my friend Dickie my friend Dickie's gonna hook us up with this guy who's a Hollywood producer and then we're gonna sell all this cocaine you know instead of having to do it in pieces Meanwhile mm-hmm. we get introduced to the mobsters mm-hmm. Who are all in borderline blackface, might I add. (laughs) Oh my God, the amount of bronzer. (laughs) The amount of bronzer on Vincenzo. Uh, or Vincenzo, Vincenzo, how would you say that? Sorry, everyone. I don't think it matters. We'll call him Christopher Walken because yeah. that's who he is. Christopher Walken. He's got so much bronzer on. It's ridiculous. They're Sicilian mm-hmm. and um, they're clearly trying to make them all look very dark. Yeah. James Gandolfini's in the background being one of the guys. Very who's young. Like, a young pre-Sopranos. So baby. So baby. Yeah. And um, this is a scene where I watched yesterday and immediately had a whole conversation with my husband because I was like how will I warn Mai about this because this is so disgusting I'm black y'all <laughs> the best part is I, I like tortured over like how to word it because I'm like I don't want her not to watch it, but I want her to watch. Like I don't want her to watch it if it's terrible, like because mm-hmm. the way that I'm feeling. Because at the time I'm feeling like gross. And the best part is when I write to my aunt, I'm like, here's a content warning. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> She's like, I watched it last night, and I also forgot about it. Yeah, I'd seen it in my twenties, <laughs> and when I was I was with my date uh, that night, and like I had told him, I was like, buckle up, this is a wild ride. And I thinking I remembered more than I did. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> I'd forgotten a lot of things. So your warning, I was like, oh, that's precious. Like, but I watched a lot of shit, like the like very problematic things, you know, from uh, my early years and 
and go back to them and I'm like, damn, that's fucked up. But it actually, <laughs> it worked out because this was a good way for me to test my date and see oh. like what he's comfortable right, right, with right. or like, you know, what kind of gate, like what he would call out and stuff like that. And so he kept kind of calling things out and being like, damn, that's fucked up. And ooh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's white. So uh, <laughs> that, was, that was that was a good way to test and gauge like his level of like right. social consciousness. Right, right. And there were things that he picked up on that I didn't even notice. Like the dog was named after Nazi yes. and like all this other stuff. I and was, was going like, to mention that. Well, too, you know, yeah. again, this is Quentin like trying <laughs> mm-hmm. out the stuff that like later he's going to do a lot better right. because yes. his Nazi movie is fucking great. And yeah. you know what? Brad looks a lot better in that one, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, basically the scene is just... Well, let me honestly, ask you, would you say this scene is part of the enchanting goofiness that Roger <laughs> Ebert called out or no? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Okay, so I just want to tell the audience uh, what happens because okay. it's really important. But okay. basically, uh, Vincenzo is the uh, guy who's coming in to get the drugs back, and he needs to get find out where uh, Clarence and Alabama go. And so they're getting ready to like basically threaten the dad. The dad then goes into the most incredibly <laughs> racist speech <laughs> I have. Like, it's not the worst I've ever heard, probably, but it was definitely one where like my feet got hot. I was like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm in trouble because no one's going to want to talk about this um but i do think it's really important to talk about which mm-hmm. you know we will later anyways so he dennis hopper like pisses him off christopher walk him, shoots him in the head and they move on so now we have clarence in alabama they're in la and uh the mobsters are coming after them but when we're in la adrian would you like to introduce our next character <sighs> not really because it, <laughs> it really like hurt my feelings you know like listen you know, I, there's a lot of things I have to ignore about Brad Pitt to continue in my relationship with him. You know, the plane incident, mm-hmm. like there there are issues. This is another issue. Like Brad Pitt, you know, we last week we celebrated him as this beautiful man that he is on a horse, just riding in, his hair Ambitious. fucking flowing. Yes. And this week, you know, Brad made a conscious choice. He was like, I cannot be this beautiful forever <laughs> because I won't get the serious roles. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to lean in to grit. So this motherfucker didn't wash his hair for like 12 weeks and he's like a stoner on a couch. Nothing is more disgusting to me than a man with no job who's really high and dirty hair on a couch. No. And he's wearing like a crocheted Rastafarian Ugh. beret. The violence like. of Brad Pitt in this film is even more upsetting than when James Gandolfini beats the shit out of Patricia Arquette. Which is the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, they've all decided to like the drug deal is going to go through. While the drug deal is going through, Elliot, who's another character who is bulky, bulky yes. from Perfect Bronson Strangers. Mm-hmm. I have to also tell you, when I was watching this, there is a scene with Bronson Pinchot where I went, "Holy shit, he looks like the guy who took my virginity." Ooh. Yes, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Same color eyes, same shape nose, did same you color fuck hair. Bronson Pinchot. No. Oh. No. <laughs> Unless Bronson was in Hopewell, Virginia. <laughs> Whatever age I was in sixteen, when I was sixteen, let me Wikipedia it. Yeah. Where is he from? Oh, so good looking though. He looked really good though. I thought like, anyways, yeah, bulky. So, uh, so he's the one who's like kind of. He ends up ending up turning on the Hollywood producer, and it's becoming a rat. And then the police are like, "We're going to set, set up this whole undercover thing." So the undercover thing is happening. The mobsters are looking for Clarence in Alabama. Clarence has now gone off to get a burger. Alabama gets stuck, and she goes to the hotel room, and she finds. James Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. And then this is where I think I really kind of lose it because 
the scene is so brutal mm-hmm. because he beats the living crap out of her. And we're going to talk about it a little later because she eventually ends up killing him. Good. And there's a great, great lots of questions there that I, yes. I, can, <laughs> I have some questions there about feminism. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's wow. a cumulative scene where they're trying to sell this fucking cocaine. I mean, this is really, we haven't even talked about their motivation. <laughs> Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette are trying to sell this cocaine so they can move to Mexico and live happily happily ever after in their true romance so they're at the fucking producer's pad and you know we've got this undercover sting happening with the cops we've got the mob people coming they all come together at once everybody's fucking killing everybody it looks for a moment that christian slater is dead but guess what no he fucking is not he just <laughs> lost an eye and they fucking limp out of the hotel and she puts him in this fucking car and next thing you know they are in mexico with their child who's already like five and she (laughs) she, yeah she recounts you know this this scene of murder and chaos and she says all i could think were the same three words over and over you are so cool (laughs) what what and as as elizabeth pointed out early their sweet little love light motif on the xylophone is also called you're so cool i mean it is so fucking embarrassing and misogynistic i want to die let's talk about the issues yeah i mean let's let's talk about this so um you know when we were talking earlier i just think one of the things that i felt so strongly about when i saw it when i was younger was this idea of having like a ride or die Mm -hmm. like having because patricia arquette puts it out there she's like if i love you i will be monogamous (laughs) (laughs) i will never turn my back on you i won't be a hooker no more yeah no more dicks for me (laughs) just yours baby at that point in my life, I had never had that feeling. I'd never had even like a friend that I was like, this is my ride or die friend. You know, a lot of this has obviously changed. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> has changed for me. But like at the time, I was like, I never knew anyone like that. Like someone who was just going to give all their heart to me. And I think the other part was that Patricia Arquette's character is so broken. Mm-hmm. And I saw myself that way. I saw myself as someone who could never really love. I never really belonged. I was never like the other girls, mm-hmm. you know? And to have this man just be like wholeheartedly accepting and loving of you. And this is exactly what fucked up all of my dating life. Because <laughs> <laughs> it turns out none of that's good. <laughs> no. And I, I feel you. I'm realizing we're very similar as we uh, discuss this movie. Um, <laughs> I had a boyfriend in high school that I thought, you know, he was just. I thought he was just the baddest motherfucker. Like, he'd gone to jail, and he sometimes so lean. And, like, uh, you know, I, I was like, I'm down for this motherfucker. But, like, I also <laughs> broke up with him, like, every other week to fuck other people. Um, but, like, we, you know, we were together for, like, two years, and it was this very intense, passionate thing. Uh, he was dumb as fuck in hindsight. But, like, yeah, I, was, I thought I was going to marry him and be with him forever, and then I would, like, do anything for this man. <laughs> So I had a very like uh, it was like a ride or die light if you will, <laughs> type relationship with him. Instead of cocaine, it was weed. Just a little bit of weed. A <laughs> racist instead mom. Of a, instead of a purple Cadillac, he had a green Gremlin. He had a green. He had a green lowrider bike. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah. What do you think is attractive about like a toxic relationship like that? Like, what is it about the danger? Because Adrian and I talk about this a lot. Adrian mm-hmm. is like, if I met a person like this, I would be like out. Except when we talk about even, Tristan. I won't even let a person like this speak to me at a bar. Right. If Elizabeth and I walk in, like, we've been to some dive bars together. Listen, we rode our bicycles across Ohio, you know? So we're like in some fucking places, and Elizabeth leans right the fuck in. She's like, who are the locals? She's sidled up at the bar. She's talking to all of them. I've, like, left, mm-hmm. you know? I'm, like, over in a corner on my phone. I'm like, no. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, I hate to say it, but I think the the main catalyst is like the crazy ass sex <laughs> because that's Which what Adrian hooks was you into in the movie that's yeah. what hooks you and then you're yeah. like i'll do anything for this dick <laughs> like you get hooked on this and and even if you don't know if you haven't had sex yet you just know it's gonna be good because they're like <laughs> real passionate and angsty and you know they're gonna just tear it up and you're like do i really want that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then you just end up sticking with it longer than you need to. Yeah. Well, in the film, there's a whole great, I mean, aside from the first one that Adrian saw, but the one where they're on the side of the highway. Mm. Oh, yeah. They and they're fucking in, a phone fuck in the phone booth and like yeah. the truck drivers are like honking. Yeah. And I was like, he's God, standing so sexy. He's standing on two phone books. <laughs> yeah. Because cause she's on that tiny little corner shelf mm-hmm. propped on it and he's got to get on these two phone and books. And he's wearing like work boots, which mm-hmm. I remember being like, oh, yeah, I fucked a dude with work boots yeah. on. I don't think he's a tall man. <laughs> he's bite sized. But there's clear red flags in this relationship, oh, right? And I was uh, yes. <laughs> she looked at me and that was like a real question. Like, yes, bitch. I don't know. There are a lot of fucking red flags. Like, yes, both of these people are fucking insane. <laughs> and they're like, our love is so special. We're both totally fucked. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I was trying to think about it today because I was trying to get more specific about like things that I thought were red flags. I mean, there's like the red, th- the things that I definitely. Maybe the, him the murdering hum- people. <laughs> well, the, to be fair, he got pushed into it. <laughs> I mean, I think you know when you're going to your girlfriend's like pimp estate that you're putting you're talking- yourself in a line of like danger. I don't think he got talked into shooting the guy's dick off. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, he knew. He, he yeah. went there knowing he was yeah. gonna fuck some shit up. I know, sure. but Drexel shouldn't have thrown the tray of Chinese food. He was coming there in peace. Oh Jesus! And the light, the interrogation thing. I mean, come See, on. I'm a- I'm already falling in. I'm already falling back <laughs> in. I'm like, you don't get him, Adrian. I mean, you his- love chaos. She fucking loves chaos. And listen, you know, I love hot sex too. I do. But, and, and I also like danger, but only in a safe way. Right. <laughs> I want to know I'm going to get out of it alive. Yeah. Like, you, listen, if I trust Unscathed. you, I will do a lot of cool shit. Like, what, you know, if we're like in a trusting environment, like, let's get crazy. Let's do it. But I'm not trusting like some random fucking bro. No. Yeah. No. Even in his like nice, like zebra printed jacket no <laughs> are you sure and when he takes you to the bookstore you're not like oh this is kind of it's kind of hot you're taking me to work after work no it's a comic book store <laughs> it's not a fucking bookstore let's be real if if i went on a date with someone he was like do you want to come to my bookstore i'd be like what <laughs> yes like are we going to barnes and nobles like are we going to women and children's first like where are we going i'm fucking that's hot yeah yeah well i mean i i <laughs> I think that's the other thing is like I loved I love that and again this is not 49 year old Elizabeth <laughs> saying this okay like 49 year old Elizabeth has learned I do love chaos but it turns out I'm just nosy like I want to see it happening but I actually don't want to be involved in it yes 
20-year-old or 19-year-old Elizabeth was very much like, let me see, let me dip my toe into this mess, right? And one of the things I thought about um, Clarence is like, he just immediately wants to take care of her. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we've talked about this on the, the podcast before, as I was always the caretaker. I still am mostly the caretaker. And so I've never been in a sen- scenario until I got married where I felt like any person, like any any dude ever wanted to be like, let me just take care of you. Let me like make sure that you're protected and you're taking. Well, you wouldn't have found that hot, Elizabeth. You've got to go to the bookstore <laughs> to meet those guys. I mean, I think also what we're kind of like talking around is really about like our ideas about like intensity mm-hmm. being yeah. what real love is or like the the peak of romance. And we talked about this with Pamela Anderson, too, that it's like, you know, this like chaos, intense energy is what like love is. But what we know now is like full adult women that actually like a lot of peaceful energy. That's like, <laughs> you know, somebody scooped the kitty litter. Someone yeah. stopped at the grocery store, you know. Know, like and just you know somebody changed the sheets like just this that's yeah. like what actual love is and like living in in that intensity is insane but what we've been taught as women is that that intensity is what's love yep. right yeah very um, true. do you have do you have an example of a relationship that felt like that like very intense and like connected as as an older person um so my my first like real relationship, I was like 23 and he's 15 years older than me. Now we've known each other for like 20 years and he's my best friend. Um, but we started out very intense, very hot and heavy. Um, you know, he was like, you're too young for me. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You're 23. Come get this good stuff. And like, <laughs> I just fucked him into submission. Um, but there was definite like intensity in the beginning that maybe not the healthiest, nothing crazy thank god he's a really good man but um yeah i was like all about this motherfucker and even now like you know we're best friends we're not we're platonic now we haven't been involved uh romantically in a long time but uh it's crazy seeing how it's morphed into the way that we like take care of each other as friends Mm -hmm. and having that background um and we'll joke sometimes and talk about like our younger years of being real spicy and wild like you know driving down lakeshore and me giving him like roadhead and shit like danger now he's like i'm 58 (laughs) can you get the pepsi for me that's a perfect example i'm having a colonoscopy can you pick me up i feel like what i'm hearing from you maya is that it can work out it can work (laughs) out it can work out Um, it's a good thing for someone yeah i mean i i'm one of those people i always assume i'm gonna like be friends with my exes just because that relationship worked out so well and i haven't had a ton of relationships and so my other one that i thought would was like we'll be besties after totally fell apart but the new guy that i'm seeing um in terms of like the way that he that we interact, he shows that level of like care that I haven't experienced a ton of. Um, Do you find it alarming when he does it? <laughs> it's well, it's still very new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not alarming, and I think it's because we had to kind of talk again and be like, okay, we don't want to be in a committed relationship. But I'm like, but you kind of do in committed relationship type things. I'm also poly, <laughs> uh-huh. so that's a factor. But like. He, you know, he's very consistent with his communication and stuff like that and, like, um, super thoughtful and, like, caring and kind and all that good stuff. Uh, But he's, 
we've also got a little bit of that like I know we're gonna get wild energy so it's a nice balance um and I don't know where the fuck it's gonna go he's he's very excited about me also seeing other people so that's been a new fun development for me oh I love um, it so like my love life just went from like drought to flood and I'm very happy about it <laughs> but yeah there's uh it's nice because I, I've i always wanted, like, I hope I'm still on topic, but, like, I've always wanted, you know, I don't necessarily need, like, you my man, like, you're the only person, you're my primary partner or anything like that. Like, I just want someone that I can be, like, lovey-dovey with and then, like, send you home. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> we don't have to keep it going all the time, like, you know, and I can still do my thing with, like, other folks and you can do your thing with other folks as long as we're, like, respectful and good to each other. So it's, like... You know, all the relationship stuff without the commitment, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's been really fun and nice. And it's it's very new because I hadn't managed to make it work in the past. <laughs> and now that I am and I'm like, OK, I've got these two prospects and they're both doing that. They're like filling different needs in different ways. This is lovely. Like, <laughs> let's keep this going. Did, but, you, did you find in the, like when you first met him, did you have that kind of like intensity, that kind of spark? You know, I think because I think that's the other thing about this and probably most of the films that I ever like is that when they first meet, it's always like this hard, like, oh, mm -hmm. and then it goes to shit immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it was very intense. Like the like as soon as we started talking, our conversations were very hot, but also very funny because we're both goofy as shit. So that's been good. And then when we first met, like literally he got out of his car and we were kissing. So like. <laughs> And it was a very, like, through the whole day, like, we'd, like, go back to his car and, like, make out, like, teenagers. <laughs> so it was really cute um, and very intense. And then the second week, it's been more like, I'm used to you now. Uh, the banter's still there, but the intensity is not as much. And that's and what like, always happens. After a while, you're just like, fuck it. Yeah. It's, like, it's like beef jerky. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, fresh and yummy before, and now it's just dry. Well, fortunately, <laughs> when, like, he, he, Salty. he came over and hung out when we were watching the movie, and the intensity was still there. So it's, like, even if conversationally it's not as spicy, like, I know that when we're together, at least, it's, it's going to be on. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been nice. Uh but I do, I've definitely recognized that I do still like some chaos and like some, uh, like when it started to fizzle, I was like, I feel like this is fizzling. Tell me why it's fizzling. And he he was like, I think I like feel like I was being too like romantic. And I'm like, bitch, I don't <laughs> shut up. Like we can we can still be cute without it meaning that I want to fucking marry you. Like calm down. And then that kind of helped things get back to where they were. <laughs> like he's usually monogamous so that's another factor but i was like don't you worry <laughs> you, like, you ain't gotta lock this down because i'm gonna be <laughs> i'm gonna be roaming these streets <laughs> so watching this together on a one of our first like hangout hangouts like at my house was really interesting <laughs> well let's talk so he's a white guy mm -hmm. you're a, a beautiful black lady mm, thank you a baby. queen mm. <laughs> And your mm. lipstick looks amazing. Your, it does, yeah. Yes. I'm like, is this a full-on ombre moment? Like it, I it's. Do, I do a little like concealer and then a light lipstick and then I line it with. It the looks form. fucking great. It looks Thank good. You. I've noticed it this whole time. <laughs> okay. yeah. Adrian's just sitting here looking at your lips the whole I'm time. Like, I definitely don't want to have Maya's relationships, <laughs> but if I can get this lipstick. <laughs> I got you. I'll give you tips. Um, thank you. Uh, one of my favorite qualities are my lips, so I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah it's one of my favorite qualities about you. They're, they're gorgeous. Hey. Uh, um, so, okay, let's talk about this. So, 
oh, yeah. this, is a, this is the hard part, right? Yeah. We're gonna, we've agreed to talk about it. Oh, um, so the scene between, obviously, <laughs> uh, Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper gets super, super disgustingly racist. Yeah. And just to dive into it a little bit, and I think it's going to be interesting talking about it because, again, you, you're, you're seeing it with your white boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the dad was being bullied by Christopher Walken. And at some point he realizes the dad does that he's going to lose the battle and then goes into a whole thing about how Sicilians are basically people who are half black. And we're like, he didn't, he was just kind of like making it very, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without saying it like terribly, but basically he was saying how Quentin would, (laughs) you know, Really, really thoughtful. Hard R's and all. Yeah, really thoughtful. I mean, they are using the N-word over and over and over again. And the insult is basically like the people of Italy, you know, the darker skinned people of of Italy are dark because they're half black and half Italian. And this actually was triggering for me. I I realized this this morning in a different way because I'm half Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And I went to a school that was like a lot of white people. And at some point, just mysteriously, because high schoolers are fucking idiots they would slip these notes in my like for like a week the kids were slipping notes into my locker about how um puerto rican people were basically raped by black people and that's how we ended up being puerto rican and i remember like the first couple of notes feeling like okay this is super stupid and like doesn't make any sense to me even though actually puerto ricans do have afro roots um but by the time the week had ended i felt I don't. I wouldn't say the word is like insulted, but I felt like um, kind of beat down by it. Like at first, I was like, "This is just people being stupid," and now I'm like, "These are people who are trying to hurt me." Mm-hmm. So there's like a big difference, right? Like when you're kind of like, "This is just juvenile bullshit," right? And then there's this like, "You are purposely trying to destroy and cause me pain." And in this scene, I think that's exactly what happens, right? So Dennis Hopper doesn't bring up like the real history of. <laughs> Italians. He's just really trying to use black folks as weapons to hurt this man. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that I ever saw it that way when I was a kid because I'm just, which just wasn't that smart. Um, and I'm not black, you know. But as an adult, I, I'm like, wow, this is what we've been talking about mm-hmm. is using that word as weaponry. I don't know what, what were your thoughts about that? And yeah, um, that scene, like, <laughs> it tripped me out, and I, I. I think because I was prepared for how problematic and racist this movie is, like <laughs> it bothered me, and I, of course, was like, "God damn!" But it didn't hurt me per se. Like I, I've kind of built a wall to uh, his movies and how he likes to kind of use like the joke of, you know, black people being uh, the low bottom of the hierarchy or whatever um so i i just thought it was interesting like you could tell that he had dennis hopper's character had given up because he was going for the jugular with this like horrible insult that they were part black um and he knew that that would be like the lowest of the low things that he could say to them yeah he got shot because of it and that had point blank rage three times (laughs) nonetheless um so it, it's not shocking to me. I think maybe I've been sort of weirdly like desensitized to it as a as a protection mechanism, um, but it doesn't surprise me. Like I've honestly even had conversations, Facebook fights, if you will, <laughs> with people that were racist, and uh, I've been like, wait a minute, don't you have like black in your ancestry? And not using it as an insult, but like, you on the wrong side of this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know what you're trying to do right now, but you got, you got some spice in there. I, I can see it. So not not using it in the same way because to me I'm like shit. That's a flex. Um, having black in you. <laughs> but to them, I knew it would be like hurtful. But in this particular movie, the way that he kind of bandied about bandied it about as like a weapon, um, it was definitely intense. Greg was. Oh, I wasn't going to say it. Oh, well. oh, oh no. Greg. Um, shout out to Greg. Shout out to Greg. <laughs> Listening right now. We'll be fucking next week. Um, Would you like to add his last name? <laughs> Can I follow him on Instagram? I'll put his picture on the website. Yeah, is he looking for followers? <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he was definitely like reacting more openly than I was but also in a way that like felt genuine like he wasn't just like yeah. oh my god they're saying the n-word <laughs> well, is how Greg, do you feel is Greg he like was never in like, what age is... group he's uh he's 34 okay so he's, so a, he's little a little younger, younger. so because yeah. I really thought a lot about this like home movie and like the you know Tarantino of it all mm-hmm. like this kind of kicking off like what came later and just there was like a whole vibe of the 90s and early 2000s that were like about white dudes like bougie like middle class white dudes loving Tarantino who was like sort of like vacationing in these worlds mm-hmm. of that like I mean give me a fucking break Tarantino's not like selling coke and fucking shooting people right. with guns right. and like whatever right but all the white dudes were like this is fucking cool as shit you know Samuel L. Jackson's rolling with John Travolta there's a gimp you know and it says <laughs> if like white dudes like suddenly had access to mm-hmm. something that was like you know underground but it was all bullshit right, right. yeah and, well, and tropes and stereotypes of black people yeah and i think at one point even in the 90s you see you say you know the, the w version of the n-word which, yeah which was like also an insult right oh yeah and that um, was the biggest word in my town i grew up in rockford illinois shout out to the rockfordians <laughs> out there and that word was used in my grade school was used in my high school but it was also like a compliment mm-hmm. you know like to like it was like a thing, a group you could be in that like you would be proud to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it used both ways. And I've actually been called that uh, because I, I always have like all through high school and like junior high and stuff. I was always told I act white. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like You got a word you could use and I don't want you to use it. And now you're throwing on something else that's even more fucked up. I'm confused. You know, I grew up in Arizona. So like. And and my sister and I had very different experiences. Like all her friends were black and all my friends were white because I was like in like theater and stuff. But yeah, I definitely got more shit about acting like a white girl. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where he definitely I think I, I don't know if he still is, but wasn't he married to a black woman at one point or I think he's married to an Asian gal. Okay. I, I Him thought... and Nick Cage collecting the Asian gals. <laughs> Another person that Elizabeth loves. Nick. <laughs> I don't know why I thought or I heard that he had been married to a you know black what? woman. Keep, uh, uh, I yeah, didn't print my script. I had printer problems. <laughs> so I have this computer. I'll look it up. So it wouldn't surprise me if he thought that he had a bit more access because of that. I mean, the character of Drexel mm-hmm. is basically him being like, I can do this. Oh, yeah. Because Drexel is a white dude Very. who's pretending to be a black man. And in the worst way. Yeah, the you know? locks and he's uh, a pimp who's wearing a leopard print open robe. Mm-hmm. He's got these horrible like 
what looks like kind of what they would say primitive. Like I don't know what the word is really for it, but like there's like are you talking about his, his necklaces, his tooth jewelry? Yes, like, like, <laughs> is that what you're talking about? What I think well, like old I would whites just, would call savage jewelry. I would just like, like to like, say it's very when purposeful. Brad Pitt was bringing back you know jewelry from the safari and Legends of the Fall, this one was fully <laughs> outraged. And when the pimp is wearing fucking jewelry with a tooth, she's like, well, you know, he's kind of high. Like he's got a Never said yeah, that as a dread. I, I never, would totally but, go to this party. And he only surrounded I would, I would, himself with black people. I was like, I would have gone to that party. Yeah, but also, I definitely think that it was like disgusting. Mm-hmm. I was disgusted by it. I was like mostly because you know when we were talking about it, and I, I want, I'm curious about what you might remember from the past, right? Because you saw it when you were younger. You said. Uh, in your 20s mm-hmm. and <laughs> I don't know what happened between you and me that we just decided to block out that whole scene <laughs> because today I'm like this scene is the reason I would never <laughs> yeah and it was one of those things where I had forgotten about it and then as soon as he came up on the screen it all came racing back before the scene happened and I was like wow I really pushed this down <laughs> like I really suppressed this shit um, and I also I think part of it too was like I I was a bit more like hippy dippy when I was in my twenties, so maybe I was like, I mean, I guess the dreads aren't that bad. Um, (laughs) And now, of course, man, dread. I'm more, (laughs) more knowledgeable. (laughs) I hate that shit. Um, I definitely went to high school with people with white man dreads. They were the skaters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are me shocked. I never saw this film. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I really did try to uh, warn my dude and. I don't even think I was prepared. Like, I should have warned myself because I, I really did surprise I warned a lot. you, but it was late. I know. <laughs> I mean, you guys. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe that we're going to watch this. I, mean, I literally read your text and was like, oh. <laughs> But, and so well, the, I would I would say that though too is that I don't think that had I seen it in the twenties mm. when I was in my twenties, I mean I think this is an interesting thing about culture change and I know a lot of people are like for everything that changes everything stays the same. Mm-hmm. We have not fixed racism Mm-mm. for sure, but to watch this film with all the the knowledge and kind of experience and the openness of which we talk about race when nowadays, which I did not, no one talked about it when I was a kid. No, you know we never like addressed it in any kind of way that was uh, meaningful or thoughtful. Mm-hmm. We never talked about the pain of having, being someone who's non-white. I mean, it was happening all the time. Like this whole thing with my locker room, my locker or like the fact that like, because I was a mixed race person, if guys slept with me, they couldn't talk. Like they're like, just don't tell anyone yep, about it. I had that you know? experience too. You did? Mm-hmm. All sisters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, but like this kind of shit is like things that, that was like shaping me as I was growing up, but I wasn't recognizing until many years later when yep. I became more educated. Like, what's a microaggression? Yes. Yeah. And, like, learning. So I'm very curious about your experience with that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm definitely realizing we have more and more in common than uh, I initially thought. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not just because we're both hot. Uh, <laughs> no. But that's our that's our binding factor. <laughs> Three of us are hot as fuck. <laughs> Thank you for including me. Um, yeah. I was feeling ostracized Listen. as the only white person. <laughs> I'll never leave you out of a hot comment. Because um, you find as fuck. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, AJ I is totally, totally pink. Yee, I love it. You, shoot, you, you open up the door on my lips, girl. You're going to get all this. Um, but yeah, I definitely like, I was always super boy crazy before I realized I like girls too, but um, always very boy crazy. And I would 
I'll go for the, my stomach is growling. I would go for the, the the boys that were like the whitest of the white, like the Mormon boys that were just like I can't touch them, but I want them. I want to see. Yeah, you're like I'm going to create my own chaos. Yes! I want to see what's yeah. in those fancy underwear. I dated a Mormon too. I think I went to his house for like a Sunday meal. I mean, oh, what shit. a nightmare! Did you have to do the prayer where you like cross your arms across your chest? It's or hard whatever? for me to remember, but I remember <laughs> even my parents who I didn't agree with a lot of their judgment as a child. But I will say they were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> Like, you're not dating this Mormon person. I went to, like, a spring fling with him. Yeah. Nice guy. Nice fucking guy. I don't remember my mom ever tell, saying anything along the lines of, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. She just kind of let me, you know, yeah. crush on all these boys that I had no business crushing on. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of the, like, liking me in secret when it did happen. Uh, or, or, like, don't tell anyone kind of thing in high school. Like, if I hooked up with a, a white guy, things like that. Um yeah, and I got picked on a lot. <laughs> I got picked on a lot by black girls, uh, which was interesting. Uh, I think being like um, in the theater world and like doing improv and stuff partially was why I kind of stuck out. Um, and then again, my sister and I had completely opposite experiences. I had moved to Iowa for one year in seventh grade and was living with my dad and my sister stayed in Arizona. And I came back and she was like hood as fuck. My mom <laughs> had been living in the projects for like six months and she was hood as fuck. And her friends hated me. Like I walked up, I was like, hey guys, how's it going? What's going on? And they were just like, this bitch, who is she? It should be noted that you are a twin. Mm -hmm. She's a twin. Cause if you go back all the way to season one, <laughs> You can hear Maya explain to us what being a twin is like. Yes. It doesn't seem to necessarily be the same as Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield. No. <laughs> I think it's because we're fraternal. So we're yeah. just two completely different people, really. Um, but yeah, and she she has only ever dated black men. Um, and she is just so perplexed by the fact that I'm very equal opportunity. Um, and every time I'm like, I'm okay, I'm, I'm only going to date black people. Oh, no more white boys. I pop up and I start dating too. Um, <laughs> and I joked with both of them about it. I was like, I was swearing you guys off. And here you are in my vagina. Um, but yeah, I definitely had an interesting experience navigating being like, one, com completely clueless and like not socially conscious like at all. And then moving to Chicago and being like, oh, I got some like unlearning and like unconditioning yeah. to do like and, and, you know, decolonizing the way that I think about things. So it was a cultural shock, but in the best fucking way, because I can't imagine still being in Arizona and like thinking the way like letting things slide the way I used to. Yeah, and, like, for sure. Not recognizing things as being racist mm -hmm. and stuff like that or like not recognizing that the way that I was being treated by these guys that I would choose to get involved with who were white, like them dogging me and, you know, not really appreciating me. So um, I joke about not dating white guys, but I only make sure I make sure I only date white guys that are like woke as fuck. Like you got to know <laughs> some shit. So it, will, it really was a good test with this one with Greg to watch this with him because he got riled up at the right parts. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was good. Like, He's not like, like you know, you. actually, I'm a really big Tarantino <laughs> fan. You know that one where uh, Jamie Foxx? Yeah, that one is one of my favorite Tarantino films. Yeah. What if he did it? What if he did a whole like? Will they use it? Oh, Ooh. 
I got I got a little nervous when the N bomb started dropping because I was like, oh god, if he turns out to be one of those people that like you know sings it in songs or something, we're gonna have big problems. But he was very anti. Sings it in songs. I was like, no. I um I do want to say something about that that too though because I also am a person of color who like grew up in a lot of white spaces. Mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges is as we, as we get older and you know, um, if you're in a place that we're mostly like it's just white folks all the time, where I think you're saying like in theater you you, you deal with a lot of like in the spaces that you hang out with mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And I've talked to Adrian about this because Adrian has like a really actually very good diverse amount of friends. I have more people of color <laughs> friends than Elizabeth yes, does. Yes, she does. She does. But like, you know, I was in Derby for a lot of years. So a mm-hmm. lot of my friends from that was white. And I just I, I think like it's hard to figure out as a person of color to be like, I just have this hard part where I was like, I just don't want to go into like black spaces and be like, hey, you're black. Let's be friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, like we don't have anything in common, but you're black. Yeah, it, just, it feels like very uncomfortable. She's leaving out a part that just this week she was invited to be in a club of Asian people, yes, and sure. she was like, "What am I going to do in this club? We're going to sit there and we're going to be like, so you're Asian." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Give it a try." Oh, I mean, man. I'm just saying, like, I, white I, people have clubs where they sit around and they're like, "So you're white?" Yeah, right. I, so I'm just saying that I sympathize with you about mm-hmm, that because yeah. there's no, there's no like. Uh, like ill will about it it's it's hard because you do have to do a lot of thinking and conscious efforts to like unprogram your brain you know and the people that you're like hanging around and like how do you get into those spaces i think that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day we're gonna have to wrap this up so i have one more thing that i want to ask about the movie really quickly and then we're going to go into our final thoughts Mm -hmm. so real quickly we're talking about the shower scene. James Gandolfini. I don't oh, want to talk yeah. about it. Throw, throwing Patricia Arquette no. through the showers. Ugh. Punching her brutally. I mean, that scene, I've seen a lot, a lot of films where like women get beat up. But I've, I cannot remember a film like that bad. But at the end of the day... You know, there's a couple things. One, well, Alabama. Kill Bill is just this bad, except it's Lucy Liu and what's her face? Yeah, doing they're it women to, to women. Other. Are, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, which makes it hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little sexier when Uma's there. I was just say that the one thing I thought about the scene was conflicting. On one hand, like we don't want to watch this gender-based violence because it's disgusting and it's like awful. And he is like very much bigger than Alabama. Oh yeah. And he does it's a whole massive. thing where he like makes her like turn around and look at him and whatever. But then she is so loyal to her man she is not going to break down and tell him anything mm-hmm. right and Elizabeth's like oh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm like this I won't she bet. is hardcore like, right or die. and then she goes like she kills him right since so, she wins at the mm-hmm. end and I and I love that because of course I'm cheering for her at that point but when Quentin Tar- when Tarantino is writing this scene I just have like a hard time understanding like is this just gratuitous violence and that's the end of the scene or is it like the one moment he's going to give women to be victorious. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like it's a little bit of both. And I think it's also partially because like he had to sh- he had to give both Patricia Arquette's character and Christian Slater's characters moments to show that they were like hard as fuck. <laughs> and they were like gonna go hard for their love. So like when Christian Slater was with Drexel and uh, you know, he was like, I'm not scared of you. I'm just bored or whatever, you know, and he was like, Ugh, I'm I'm gonna let you try to fuck me up, but I'm gonna fuck you up. Um, so like they they both had to have those moments of like I'm bad, you know. And I think for Patricia Arquette's character in that particular scene was when he'd thrown her through the sh- well. There were a few moments, but like you know when she'd uh, gotten thrown through the shower and starts laughing hysterically, and then you know attacks him, and like when she's got the corkscrew. Um, and he's like, I'll give you one shot, you know, get me, baby, 
stab me, baby, stick me, baby. And she, you know, stabs him in the foot and then starts fucking him up. Like, um, I'd be lying if I said there weren't moments where I was like, yeah, bitch, that's what you get, <laughs> motherfucker. But then it's also like, oh, this feels so wrong. <laughs> but you, I think when you start to realize and you know that she's going to win, like you can't help but feel like that's what your ass get. She's tougher than you thought, huh? <laughs> and it feels weirdly empowering, but it's so fucked up. Yes. Like, it, I, I, I think I had those kind of feelings a little bit more like when I was younger and I watched it and was much more um, fucked up generally. But seeing it again, it was just like, but also like, okay, good. She, she, she got him. But yeah, it's, it's hard. It's like the like lowest level of feminism <laughs> possible. I think um, it's like, it's like Tarantino, like went to a cemetery, dug under a grave and was like, Oh, I'm gonna sprinkle this on my movie. <laughs> this will get them. This will make them feel strong. Um, <laughs> this little tiny, tiny bit of like female empowerment. Yes. <laughs> what do you think? Women can take a beating too. What? <laughs> no, bitch. Adrian's face is twisted right I think now. That is exactly. It's like women can take a beating. Yeah. Too. yeah. Listen, I think let's move into final thoughts. <laughs> Nobody cares what I think about this fucking scene. I mean, the main thing I thought was the blood was way too brightly colored. Yeah. I was like, why is this blood like fluorescent? It doesn't look real. I had a lot of issues with like the blood, the, how quickly Christian Slater's face healed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Quentin's Patricia Arquette's. Some, when yeah. he lost his Strides. eye and it was just yeah. still cut above it. Like, I was like, yeah. he didn't really lose that eye. Yeah, and how all did that bullet not go in his brain? Don't care. Yeah. Let's move to final thoughts. Go ahead, Adrian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. I'm going to start. So, um, never watch this movie. <laughs> is my first final thought. But I have a couple other recommendations that mm. you should watch instead. Um, I could be wrong, but I've seen Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. more than once. And I think that's actually a great film. And Fantastic it's Tarantino movie. like actually like using his powers for good. And Brad is there, mm-hmm. which <laughs> is always a bonus for me. I also really enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think the I end yet. of oh, that I is... I hated it. Yeah. Well... Let's stick with Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> but then I want to downshift to my girl Patricia Arquette. I really want to recommend Escape at Danamora. Have you guys mm. seen that? No, I haven't seen that. Um, one. Okay, it's amazing. Paul Dano's in it. Um, and big fan of Medium though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But Escape at Danamora <laughs> is like a um, a limited series. It was on Showtime. Ben Stiller directed it, and oh, Patricia nice. Arquette is like a prison worker who starts fucking these two guys and helps them escape and it is based on a true story oh that's right it's fucking great okay so definitely get it so so if you get your yellow jacket subscription for to watch showtime then you gotta also watch escape at denimora the other patricia arquette movie i really get into is boyhood which i think is an unsung Mm-hmm. fucking film that's the I've one heard, where they yeah. filmed for like 10 years and she's a single parent in it and she fucking kills me yeah she's so, wonderful yeah, that's my final thought love me some Patricia Arquette um yeah so definitely use this movie as a way to test a new partner if you're <laughs> black or a person of color um <laughs> and then if they get it right you get to have really good sex um <laughs> Yeah, this shit was really fucked up. Uh, I definitely was, I realized I was one of those girls in my, like, 20s that was like, ooh, Fight Club, and, like, um, all the, like, really problematic movies, like, uh, uh, what's the one with, oh, fuck, where he's a 
American Psycho. All that oh, shit. All that American really Psycho. fucked up shit. Yeah, I, I was that girl that was like, I like all those movies. Um, <laughs> I'm so cool. I am so cool. Blood and violence doesn't bother me. Uh, and in hindsight, in hindsight, <laughs> I was saying a lot more about myself than I probably intended. But um, yeah, this shit's fucked up. It was a wild ride for sure. Um, I I didn't need to see it again, but I also feel like it's good that I did because it reminded me of how much more careful I need to be watching movies <laughs> instead of just getting high and like zoning out and not really critically thinking about what I'm watching. The 90s are rough. The 90s were real rough. And I was a teenager. I was yeah. like 12, um, you know, going into my teen years. But yeah, so it's changed. It's helped remind me that I need to be... Uh, really conscious when I'm watching a lot of movies, especially when I'm like revisiting things that I thought I loved. I mean, well, that's, that's the whole point of the podcast, right? <laughs> like, I think if we've been blown away sometimes like watching these films and being like, wow, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not great. <laughs> um, I would like to apologize to both of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Mm, yes. yeah. I appreciate I, that. I, I, I understand that uh, it was a mistake on my part <laughs> to ever love this movie. I have really sat with it and thought about it and reflected. And I will be doing some learning. <laughs> but we wouldn't have known we have so much in common. That's so like, true. yay. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to Don't Ruin This For Me. Special thanks to the Lincoln Lodge and our producer, Christine Ferreira. And of course, our guest, Maya Houghton. Oh, Maya, tell us where our listeners can find you to find out about your workshops and your classes. You can find me at The Second City. Uh, I perform there. I do a few different shows. Um, my schedule kind of rotates, so just <laughs> chase me on the Insta. Um, my what, is your, handle, what is your Insta? My yeah. handle is not yo Maya. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, I'm just a boring old bitch, but you can also follow me on Facebook and my business page for workshop stuff, Hot and Funny Business. We'll link to all this on yes. our Insta. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, hey, you know what? That's where you can find Maya. You know where else? You can find Adrian Elizabeth. <laughs> We're on Substack. Woohoo! We're on Substack. Elizabeth is called Mixed Race Tape, where Ooh. she writes about mixed race issues with playlists. Yes. <laughs> well, not, not necessarily mixed race rich issues. Oh, okay. I'm just a mixed it's, race it's person. It's just called that. You know, my existence is activism. <laughs> Sure. I'm Mine, not going to talk about it, but yeah, it's just the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's called Where the Fuck's My Happy Ending? And I talked most recently about the Dyson Airwrap. <laughs> She's doing the good work, everyone. Um, She's my doing existence work. is also activism and a service to people. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Don't Ruin This Pod. Come back next week for a little bit of Yo, Adrian! As we take on Rocky Four, maybe you don't know this about us, but we're middle-aged athletes. No big deal. Yes. No big deal. We'll be giving out autographs after this. I, yes. You know, you guys shared a lot about your youth today. And I just want to share something really quickly about an oppression that I experienced <laughs> in my youth, which was people constantly yelling, yo, Adrian, mm. at me. <laughs> It's the same, really. Thank you. It's the same. Thank you for seeing me and we holding space. <laughs> so, okay, we're going to watch Rocky for this reason, and we are going to look into all those mid-80s athlete tropes. And it's we're going to watch the best Rocky, Rocky Four, where Sly Stallone takes on Dolph Lundgren in an epic battle of America, America. versus Russia. Yeah. And don't forget to rate and review us at Don't Ruin This For Me on your favorite podcast app, because... 
we're here to elevate middle-aged women's voices. That's wow. and it's important business. It's important. It's business. important. We're work. just all doing the work. Yes, hit up our digital tip jar. Mm-hmm. <laughs>